right, Keith here with Rebel Civics. Uh, we're going to have a secession roundtable today with three special guests. Uh, we're going to discuss why a state leaving the union is constitutional, uh, why governance, self-governance is a right of the people. Uh, we're going to talk about the secession movements ongoing in New Hampshire, California, Florida, maybe a few others. And we're going to talk about why national divorce is the peaceful solution. So today we're going to have Marcus Ruiz Evans. He's the president of CalExit LLC movement, working towards today's state of California, leaving the union as a whole and forming a uh, politically independent new nation. Uh, he's the author of California's Next Century 2.0, and he's subject of a Warner Brothers documentary on the history of the CalExit movement. Also going to have Rabbi Stephen Axelman. He's founder of Americans United for Peaceful Separation. That's a group gathering together and getting hints from each other on uh, the different secession movements. He's also a board member of the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. And we're going to have Alu Axelman. He uh, runs the Liberty Block um, Liberty Block site that uh, publishes articles on liber liberty topics, and he's also involved in the New Hampshire secession movement, and he's uh, up in the free state of New Hampshire. So uh, welcome. I'm going to bring you in one at a time here. So I got Steve Axelman. Welcome. Hi, how you doing? Good afternoon. Thanks for joining. Marcus Ruiz Evans. Good to be here from California. All right. Welcome, California. And... Elliot or Alu Axelman from New Hampshire. Thanks for Look at that baby crib. Look at that baby crib. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. It looks cozy up there in New Hampshire. Oh, don't, yeah. show, don't show me the snow from South Florida. I'll start. I'll get chilly. <laughs> um, so uh, I think the, the first subject I just wanted to get out of the way in this roundtable is why a state can leave. Of course, a state can leave. States have the authority to leave. It's uh, there's nothing in the Constitution that bans it. Therefore, they can leave. That's how the U.S. Constitution works. Uh, the Declaration of Independence makes it pretty clear. So I thought we should just get that out of the way first. So what do you, whoever wants, Stephen, you want to go first? Um, I literally have nothing to say. You just said it. The Declaration of Independence says it, Declaration of Independence trumps the Constitution, even if the Constitution said no. Otherwise, we'd all be speaking with a much nicer accent. So that's the only permission I need to, live, to leave. Plus the fact that I don't think any government has lasted forever. So the people who say you can't break up, does that mean we're stuck for a thousand years, 10,000 years, a million years? Yeah, it's not a lifetime perpetual contract. In fact, in the Articles of Confederation, they did have it as a perpetual union, and that was purposely removed when they wrote the U.S. Constitution. But, but again, I don't know what that means. Nothing ever lasts forever. That's It's absurd. No, all empires end eventually. The bigger the empire, the harder they fall. Yeah. Yeah, I've addressed this so many times in articles. I'm trying to think of a good article to like send into the chat or to post in the link of the show notes, but I've, I've written so many articles and obviously addressed the issue in two books. Um, number one, I would say we're in an abusive relationship and regardless of what the abuser says as to whether or not the victim is allowed to leave, if I'm beating my wife and I say you're not allowed to leave, she's going to leave and pretty much every sane person would agree and 
advocate for her to leave me, whether or not I allow her to. So when we talk about the federal government or the Constitution, it's essentially the federal law allowing us to. It doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant to leaving an abuser. Now, that being said, the Constitution is totally allows for secession. Uh, we can look at Article 1, Section 10, which lists the things that the states agreed that they can't do when they signed, when they ratified the Constitution. And it says a few things like coining money and other stuff and maybe declaring war and a few other small things, but it does not say secession. So the states never agreed that they can't secede. Um, and then obviously the principle of the Ninth and Tenth Amendments say that anything not expressly said in the Constitution is a power reserved to the states or the people. Um, so there's that, there's that. And then another thing I address a lot in, in the articles and books and debates whenever I, I debate the topic um, is even if the Constitution were a contract, because they say it's a perpetual contract, um, it, obviously I didn't sign it. It was signed by people who theoretically were my ancestors. Obviously my ancestors were not born here, but even at best they were my ancestors from 250 years ago. And a few of them represented as delegates of like a few people signing it on behalf of all the people in the state. Um, even though most people in most states didn't even support the constitution at the time, still at best, it was my ancestors. Um, the, a principle of contract law throughout the entire universe and all the cosmos is that um, you can't bind anyone but yourself and maybe, maybe a minor child that you have some uh, power of attorney over as far as the guardianship, but you definitely can't bind any grandchild or any further descendant into any contract ever. So at best case scenario, the contract of the Constitution, when they say it's a contract, does not apply to me at best. Um, but also, obviously, uh, my, my you know great, great grandparents probably moved here from Europe. Um, now, all that being said, still another great argument that we can use and that I often use in debates is that if the Constitution's a contract, one party of the contract, so we have the federal government and we have the states, one party has, um, yeah, you're counting 50 Marcus, yeah, 50 states, I'm, but yeah. I'm trying to count it. I'm, I'm following, you're laying it out. You're crushing yeah, it. Let's right say New Hampshire and the federal government has one party violated that, that contract ever. Yes, I can name around 30 trillion times when one party, it was DC, has violated that contract willfully, maliciously, and violently you know, infinite times, million, billion, trillion times when they violated the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, just wrote a book about how they violate the Fourth and Fifth and Sixth Amendments mm -hmm. um, perpetually, systemically, all the time. So when – now, who here knows contract law? Um, I'm a, a self-proclaimed great contract law expert, and I can tell you, and I'm pretty sure everyone in the world knows, when one party willfully, maliciously violates a contract repeatedly – and there's zero recourse because everything has been tried unsuccessfully, the other party can sever the contract and leave. Every baby in the world knows that, and that's how that's how contracts work in this entire universe. So there are so many good arguments we could use for the constitutionality of secession. Yeah, and I, and I, wouldn't, I want to make one comment, and I actually want to hear what you think, because the way I've always referred to this contract, and, and I'm okay with the, you know, the compact theory, right, that, that it's an agreement between the states, it's a contract, legal contract, between the states that formed the general government, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is not a party to it. It's not one of the parties. There's 50 parties. It's the 50 states. D.C. was formed by it. It didn't exist when it was written and ratified. It became, it came into existence after, I think it was New Hampshire was the last one, right? After New Hampshire ratified it, when, when they had sufficient number nine or whatever it was. Like that's when DC came into existence. So I've always just presented the argument like DC's not even a party to the contract. That's a great point. We created the federal government. Um, and I've heard it a lot and I'm finally starting to understand what that means the last few years. Yeah, the, the states created it. It's like states imagine if it. 
imagine if my father and me and Marcus and you created Liberty Block LLC, and then Liberty Block LLC becomes a Frankenstein that starts walking and talking and beats us up and takes over power and overpowers us and starts abusing us. It's just kind of weird. It doesn't make sense. Like we made it, um, and now it's a Frankenstein that controls us because we we created it. So it's an entity that that we have created. The Liberty Block is not an entity that should be in any realistic world, overpowering me and my boss and making me its slave. So that's a great point as well that, that the states created the federal government, states, not the other way around. Yeah, it's not the other way around. So the states are not administrative units of the federal government. Another another way to put that besides the Tenth Amendment, which is a reminder of that, is that. If the states wanted to, they could all get together and have a meeting and shut down D.C. completely. There's no reason to invite a single person that's involved in the federal government to that meeting. They have no right to attend. They have no power to attend. That's clear. So the states could just end D.C. Uh, I, I don't know if it would need to be a supermajority or majority, but basically you could end it, remove this constitution and try again. That would well, be meeting of the states. Be- Done through an Article Five Convention of States, where yeah, the states' uh, legislatures mm-hmm. can essentially send delegates to a constitutional convention, and they can do anything, including um, abolishing DC. Now, realistically, practically, um, DC has their tentacles and their billions of dollars and their power and influence over everyone, including almost every legislator in every state at the state level and governor and, and so on and media. So, realistically, I don't think a convention of states would, would work out well. It would actually work out as a net negative probably because DC with their tremendous influence, they control so much, they would probably take over any such convention. But yeah, um, Mm. technically and constitutionally, I think you're right. Yeah. The, the, the state. So I would, I usually use the phrase that I try to always use the phrase, a constitutional convention to separate from a convention for proposing amendments, the one that article five lays out. So that one is actually just to amend the existing constitution, which could be extended to totally removing it. But as you pointed out, like as a practical matter, that could never, ever happen. You're not going to get 51 percent of the states to vote in favor of starting a new constitution right now. Not with the current states. I, I think it's I'm saying my opinion, I guess, but uh, that won't happen. And changing the constitution by amendment, which is what Article five is about, um, the track record of that is pretty poor with the general government that pays almost no attention to it right now unless it's convenient for their agenda so i'm not convinced that's a good way to do it oh and by the way full disclosure i worked uh for convention of states for two years i'm an author i hosted a podcast that's still up for convention of states um i wrote a lot of articles i did uh meetings i i ran events in florida getting you know signatures i've had the highest number of petition signatures for convention of states twice in a month in the, in the U.S. And then I realized, I don't think this is going to work. And I started doing what I'm doing now. Um, anyway, I'm going to read a couple of comments. One person said, Florida never rejoined after the war. They were occupied into submission. That's true. And that's a common view in Florida. Like, we're not even what you brought up. New Hampshire at least voluntarily joined the Union long, long ago. You're, and it wasn't your ancestors. Um, I, it might it might have been mine. I'm not sure. But yeah, the, the argument you brought up as far as our ancestors, like I don't know of any of mine that were here in 1776. I think I can trace back in Quebec City to ancestors who were here then, but they were in Quebec and they came into the New England in the Depression as far as I know. There may have been some in northern Vermont, northern New Hampshire back then, but I don't really know. 
So anyway, that's a good point from somebody. Somebody else said the uh, the perpetual union of the Articles of Confederation was changed to more perfect in the Constitution. So I guess it's referring to the more perfect union. So perpetual is not perfect, and it w they removed the word. That's true. That was done on purpose, right? The, the current ratified Constitution of 1788 doesn't have the word perpetual in it. So let's, yeah, I'll, I'll end what I'm saying here. I'm going off further than I meant to. So. Marcus, you want to say anything about this before we move on? Uh, well, first, it's great to see you, Alu. So proud you're becoming a dad. Uh, Rabbi, always a pleasure. Uh, and, and, you know, yes, California's here. We're the liberals at the table. And usually at these national discussions, that puts us a little bit out. But I wanted to make sure to make a point that we work very hard to try to talk to conservatives, Republicans, uh, whatever you want to call it, non-California uh, flaming liberals, I guess is the right way to say it. And uh, appreciate you having us on the show. It's very important to us. We're trying to get the message out now that you guys can vote California out. You actually have the number of votes to do that. And what I'm talking about is you have about 27 states where there's basically a Republican trifecta. Um, they may call them a divided government. Uh, like Arizona because the uh, governor won, but the governor won by 0.1% or 1%. And then the House and the Senate at the state level is two-thirds Republican. We don't really consider that divided. We consider that a hardcore red state where a Dem basically eked out a win at the governor level. And they're going to be so weak that they really can't push against the proclivities of the rest of that state. If you won at 51%, you're not going to go challenge two thirds of your legislature to go do something radical. You don't have the backing and you'll get voted out. So 27 states like that. Um, and 25 of those states or 24 already have a travel ban from California, meaning California's looked at that state and said, you don't support our California values. We look down upon you. And now we're going to have our legislature condemn you for what you did and say that you are all of our state officials are banned from traveling to you. Uh, it doesn't stop people, but it's really a big proclamation of California going, you don't support California values. So we look down on you. So that's about 27 states uh, who California has basically insulted directly and who basically have a red majority. And the reason that I bring that up is that to get to your question. Erwin Chemerinsky. Erwin Chemerinsky is a constitutional scholar here in California. He founded the, uh, the UCLA Law School and I think the UC uh, Irvine or maybe Berkeley. So he founded two UC law schools and he basically said there's one Supreme Court case on secession ever. It's called Texas versus White came after the Civil War, which means it's legal precedent, not the Civil War, because that's the way um, legal precedent works. You go off the latest one. So Texas versus White was decided afterwards. It said you can secede quotes with consent of the states. Consent of the states was never defined. Erwin Chemerinsky, a top constitutional scholar, said it could be a simple majority vote in Congress. It could be a simple 51% vote of the states because that's what it took to get California in. So that might be all it takes to leave using the only Supreme Court case that recognizes secession and says you can't leave with um, consent. That's how uh, we argue 
you can secede. Now, we got this idea from Texas. Uh, Texas doesn't really use this. A lot of the other more conservative movements don't really mention Texas versus white because they like to go with the uh, originalism idea that the states had this innate independence and that they could leave on their own. I'm not saying there's not an argument for that at all. I'm just saying here in California, we couldn't really get that uh, airlifted. People in California are very litigious. They want to see a clear legal path. So not saying that there isn't a right for states to leave, but we're going with the states can leave if they get consent. So, I, yeah, I want to, um, I guess, push back or just make a couple comments there. So yeah, one, one is um, a, a opinion majority or dissenting of the Supreme Court is not a legal precedence. Uh, so, no, this is a civic show. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop you if you call it that. Um, now, what the court says is interesting to consider. Um, I often find the dissenting opinions are more valuable than the, the majority, um, but not always. So on that particular one, um, you know, it was written by a chief justice appointed by Lincoln. So, you know, of course, there's a mainstream interpretation that states can't leave. Like, like justice might have got impeached at that time. Like you had to go with the Lincoln. Otherwise, they would have had to uh, point out that the, the war for Southern independence was uh, a totally illegitimate war of the northern northern. U.S., the United States, attacking the Confederate States of America, some other country, and annexing all these states by force, you know, by killing more people than all the other wars in the U.S. combined, which includes my state of Florida. So anyway, that's just an opinion. I have an opinion, too, on Texas I, I would, it doesn't, but it doesn't actually matter because we're talking about the principle here, not the opinion of judges appointed by Lincoln just after the war. So... I, yeah, I, I would push back on that just because um, we operate under a legal mechanism of stare decisis, uh, not common law, which means we operate under there were laws and cases decided before. That's the American yeah, system. My, the system. My, my point is that the American legal system, Supreme Court opinions are opinions. They're not precedents. They're not law. It is true in court cases. If you go to a federal court, it's a. Uh, it's useful. It can be useful in federal court to argue previous court opinion. But yeah. I, I prefer to go with this, which is the Constitution. Like, this is the highest law. Uh, that's that's fair. Speaking. I would just like to. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, okay. So we both we both comment on that. I've actually forgotten. Well, but I, I had another I, comment. But as far as legally, I think the point of this section, what I wanted to get across is that there's both a principle, it's an ethical, moral principle of self-governance, that people have the right to determine their own form of government. And then secondly, um, yeah, Allah wants to say, then secondly, um, the Constitution does not ban a state, as Allah pointed out in Article 10, in Section 10 of Article 1. Like, it's not banned, therefore a state can do it. That's how the Constitution works. The Constitution is a limited list of powers delegated from a higher authority the states to the general government and that authority can be taken away anytime the states wants. So go ahead, Alu, you want to say something? Yeah. What Marcus said is that practically speaking, um, people throughout the United States and more importantly, the people with guns, the enforcers, the government do consider Supreme court stare decisis to be the law of the land. We, you know, you can call them 
uh, judicial activists or judicial super legislators, whatever you want. But the fact is, practically speaking, I would tend to, to agree a little more with him that that um, the Supreme Court saying something is kind of the hard word of law set in stone um, tablets from the gods. Um, the other thing that he reminded me of is that, you know, you I think one of you mentioned, Marcus or Keith, that um, it took 51% to get them into the union, so 51% should be required to get them out. I would say even less. Um, when you look at a union, again, think of a relationship. My wife and I, to get into a relationship and get married, required two, so um, bi-party consent, bilateral. But to leave here in the civilized universe of humanity only requires one. If she wants to leave, she could leave, and everyone recognizes legally, practically, morally, religiously, she can leave on her own unilaterally. We have unilateral no-fault divorce in the United States. We don't force her. Again, and, and I have this article pulled up I just shared in the in the chat here that um, the number one legislator in New Hampshire who was the most vocal against independence, who um, coincidentally happened to um, deny my debate um, proposal against him like six times, um, he doesn't want to debate me, but he was the biggest legislator. He lost in the primary anyway. He wasn't that good, but he was the most vocal anti-independence person, Brody Deshaies. He said, well, um, everyone had to consent to join. Therefore, everyone has to consent to leave the union. And I'm like, wow, I hope that uh, you never get a girlfriend or wife because if that's what you believe, that they can't leave unless you also allow them to leave, like no unilateral leaving relationship, that's really creepy and scary and illegal. Um, and obviously it violates the non-aggression principle. So I just wanted to point that out. Like, you can, it takes two to join a union, but it only takes one to leave. That's how I would say most civilized humans in this world for the last few hundred years would um, think of a relationship. Hey, Stephen? Yeah, I just want to make two quick points. One half jokingly, um, the Texas versus White says a state can leave with permission of the other states. Unfortunately, it doesn't say we can kick you out. Um, so. I think it would be really interesting if we could get 27 red states to vote to kick California out. That may have a chance. Second thing I want to always emphasize is the reason I believe the various movements meet together is specifically not to agree with each other. If we agreed with each other, we wouldn't be planning a national divorce. Specifically, it's because we don't agree with each other. So every time I disagree with Marcus, that makes me happy because that's, that's why we want to get a divorce. Absolutely. Every time I do agree with him, it makes me happy because it'll make it easier to get a divorce. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I understand that it's it's controversial to go with Texas versus white. A lot of the conservatives, Republicans, whatever you want to call it, don't don't really like it. They like going with the 10th Amendment and that states have the original ability to leave. I have backed that up many times in debates by pointing out that the states exist not because of the Constitution, not because of the Declaration of Independence, but because of a document we never talk about called the Treaty of Paris. So that's the actual document that made America. It's where they were recognized by other countries. And in that, they list uh, 13 independent nations with capital S. So that legal document recognized 13 separate countries. Secondly, you can go to what, 1812? with uh, New Hampshire having a convention with the British to secede and rejoin them. Uh, we know that in 1812, the founding fathers were still alive. No one said what New Hampshire was doing was illegal. So if it was legal, how come the people who wrote the constitution didn't say so at the time? But for us, our argument is just that in the constitution, it says all legal decisions are decided by one group, Supreme Court. 
Uh, the American legal system is based upon stare decisis, meaning you have to reference things that came before. There is only one case on secession, and there's only one comment, period. And it says you can leave with consent. It also says it by the guy who was appointed by Lincoln. And it also backs up the speech that Lincoln gave. Lincoln said the same legal precedent in one of his early speeches that if the states had asked, they could have left. So we have both the president and the Supreme Court justice who are backing that up. And whether they have to listen to that or not, it's something that it's basically the only reference. So if we're going to go like, is this a legal interpretation? The Supreme Court's going to have to look at this case and they're going to have to go, well, at this time, some of the best minds, according to America, said that you could do it. I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Someone mentioned, either Marcus or Keith, that the states created the federal government, not the other way around. And again, for people around the world watching, because I know we probably have, you know, six, seven billion viewers right now from all over the world. Um, the other countries, like let's say uh, Canada's our closest neighbor, or maybe even Mexico. Thanks for pulling that up. So Canada has provinces. And my basic understanding, knowing very little about Canada, uh, their government and history, is I believe the federal government of Canada created um, provinces and they kind of set up the provinces and, and they have control. They created them, drew the lines and everything. And, and they're like their children. They're their kids. Um, again, here, it's the other way around. We had the states and it's like a lot of states. They're each adults. And we created a separate entity. Let's say four friends named like Alu, Marcus, Stephen, and Keith happen to create a corporation so they can do certain stuff. We created it. So maybe Canada created the provinces but here is the other way around. The states created it, meaning we're essentially superior. It's our entity, our property, our creation. So I just wanted to, to point that out again and highlight that. Okay, so that was the article. You had two. Do you want me to put the other one up also? Oh yeah, please. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I have like okay. like a hundred articles that are relevant. Oh yeah. To it. No, I've 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 I haven't read them all yet, but I eventually will. Give me about a year. Um, I don't even know if I can keep up with somebody that puts out three books in one year. But that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, okay, why don't you uh, you want to describe what it is, and I'll get the other one up. Well, this article you have pulled up here is my rebuttal to that that anti independence, anti freedom legislator who who lost. But before he lost, he kept ducking my debate attempts when I asked him in person via email and all that. And I have his, his emails here. Um, I sent a, a nice email to him asking if he would debate, and he, he said no a few times. So I, I just took his public letter that he posted before the committee hearing on CACR 32 to put independence on the ballot, and I just rebutted it with an article. So that whole article is there, and I made a video version of it as well embedded in the article. Didn't they try to get you guys for treason and it totally failed and blew up in their face? Kind of. Um, a statist tried to remove like 13 legislators from the ballot for voting yes for this. So they tried to remove them from the ballot before the election in November. And um, based on the 14th Amendment treason sedition um, insurrection type of thing, saying you can't run for office. And the Ballot Law Commission of New Hampshire which again is state government and and they're you know not the independence liberty people, including the assistant attorney general was there and the secretary of state himself was on that commission as well. They all voted, um, the commission voted unanimously to dismiss that complaint because they're not gonna remove them from the ballot. It's not treason. The assistant attorney general said very clearly that it can't fit any definition 
legally or otherwise, of, of treason or anything like that because there was no violence. And treason always includes violence, and therefore they cannot be removed from the ballot. Yeah, tre treason requires like overthrowing or at least an attempt to overthrow the government or, or do something against the government. Just walking away is not treason. It's not even force. It's peaceful. So, you know, I mean, the same argument with the war for Southern independence. I don't call it a civil war because it was not a civil war. Civil war is two factions vying for control of the, the central government. That's not what that war was. You that sound exactly like my brother, Laser, who's the history expert and senior senior uh, history writer for the Liberty Block. He, he says that very often. Oh, that I have to I'd like to read one of his articles. But, yeah, I assume if, if that's what he's about, then he knows what the word civil war means in English. Like the, the, the I, I have an article I'll share with you sometime, but I wrote one that it's called the winners write the history books. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's called the Civil War, because the winners write the history books always. But, yeah, I happen to live in Florida where uh, you can say the war for Southern independence. Uh, nobody I, I mean, the only thing that will happen here is somebody might correct you and say it was that's not it. It's the war for the war of northern aggression. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> That's but yeah, and you go in Georgia, South Carolina, like I, I know people that grew up there, like that's what they were taught in high school. Their high school books called it the War of Northern Aggression. <laughs> like people younger than me. I don't know if that's changed, but probably not in North Carolina. Anyway, here's your other article, Ali, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I also, like you, got really excited about the COS when I heard about it years ago. I guess this is 2017, one of my first articles on the site when Liberty Block was back on radio. Um, I got really excited. I heard about the COS, and I signed up to be a precinct captain in Queens. I didn't do much. And then I started thinking about it, about who, at best case scenario, if uh, 33 states or whatever, uh, 34 states called the convention, and we went to a convention, best case scenario is we'd each state would set a delegation. There would be 34 voting delegations at the convention. And I started thinking about, in the best case scenario, what would those delegates be like? What ideology would they be, conservative or libertarian or statist? And I realized that with about 100% certainty, they would be statist. And I explained why in the article. And in the article, all of my sources, all the links in the article are actually come from Mr. COS himself, Mark Levin, um, from his website. So that's the interesting article there. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Mark Levin. Yeah, he's he's a big, the big. Uh, he wrote the book. I saw you mention that book, Liberty Liberty Amendments. I have his book. I've met him. I've talked to him. Um, nice. But uh, Ask him to yeah, I don't agree with him. Please. He, I don't think he would. Um, but he might. He might. Well, Mark I, Levin. I, I Mark asked him once, and he said, "Shut up, you idiot." Excuse me. Mark Levin does believe in God. The problem is with God is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we better not get too wit. too far. Classic into, wit. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. And Convention of States is a Christian organization. Probably not. I'm surprised they let you in, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. Yeah. I won't tell anybody. It's kind, of, it's kind of hidden. But yeah, if you go to a National Convention of States meeting, guess what book is right at the front on the table next to the president? The Bible. Sure, it's the Bible. The Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy's about to have an interracial half-Jewish baby. So he's really, boy, you're going to be in all sorts of trouble. You might have to move to California. Who's Pretty that? much. I just want oh, to secure oh. that I'm going to hell. Whatever religion is the real one, I'm going to hell. So Really? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know Mark Levine was married. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we won't go too far into religion. 
Um, <laughs> we'll have to turn the whole thing over to Rabbi Stephen Axelman if we do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got, I'll just, I'll just end this with saying I got fired from Convention of States because I'm not Christian. So let's just end the whole Convention that's, of States there. That's <laughs> not right. Yeah, I think we better that that could be a separate show, but I don't think we want to go further into not, that one. Quiet, but that's not um, that's not right. Yeah, but generally, I saw Jewish people are allowed if they kind of keep their mouth shut in general. That is so wrong. That also that precludes so wrong, me. Bro. That is so wrong. But keeping the mouth shut um, means I can't be in it. Yeah, no, but not, not long term. And I can tell you what I've seen from Liberty Block, and you thank you for publishing one of my articles recently, like. I know how to write for Convention of States. I wrote dozens of articles published nationally. Like my article that you published, no way. They would never publish it. Mm -hmm. I happen to know that. So anyway, um, yeah, this is uh, more time than I want to spend with this, but it's a very interesting discussion. And some of this shows why national divorce is the peaceful solution. So I was going to kind of get into, you know, just going to bring up one more thing with this. Like some of the states, I think it's three don't quote me on the number, have specific secession clauses or leaving the union clauses in either the ratifying documents or their state constitution. Uh, Marcus, I watched one of your shows where you mentioned that California does have that, and that's a step, either it's already happened or to remove the state constitution prohibition on leaving the union. I think uh, there's, we, we don't have a um, an allowance to secede, but we do have an extra provision to the California constitution that we wanted to get rid of. And basically um, with the cold war scare in the 1950s, they said they added to the California constitution that every government worker for California government has to swear allegiance to the federal government. So that wasn't in there in the 1800s or the early 1900s. It was a reaction to communism. So we don't think you have to have it. And it would also be difficult. It would be, an awkward point to iron out that we're trying to secede and yet all of our state government workers are still loyal to the federal government while we're doing it. So we want to get that removed from the California constitution. We think it's excessive and that it easily legally can be removed. That, that was, that's a good, that's an important thing to do. Yes. I, I didn't know about that part. And my opinion, my view, and I could back this up is that it's not possible to swear allegiance to I'll use Florida because that's where I am to swear allegiance to the Florida Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. You can't do both. Like I don't understand mortally how you can do both. You got to pick one. Two masters. Got to pick. Yes, can't nice. serve two masters. So no, I don't want to do that. And I go to a lot of liberty-minded meetings. You know, um, they often the the conservative group and. You know, as I mentioned on your show, Marcus, you pointed out what you mean by conservative, but I'm not a conservative, never have been um, I, in I, a conservative no, group. So here's like one of the things about that might help you understand how I use the term. Uh, the conservative movements that I'm part of here, there's a there's a liberty group. Uh, they usually open with a Christian prayer followed by a pledge of allegiance to the American flag, neither of which I participate in. So I've never participated in the Christian prayer part. I've never been a Christian. I'm not a Christian. Um, so I'd never said that. I just stand up. And uh, and in the Pledge of Allegiance to the U.S. flag, over probably a 10-year period, I slowly started realizing, well, that's not true. I'm not saying that part. <laughs> like, I started with indivisible. Like, why well, ain't saying that? That's not true. <laughs> so I don't oh. say indivisible. And then I'm 
I'm not Christian. I don't say under God. I don't consider the United States to be under some Christian, some version of some Christian God. Like, you're going to pick one version of it? They're, they're not even all the same. They're similar, but, and I'm fine. I'm not arguing against Christianity's influence on Western civilization or, or the Judeo-Christian moral values influence. Like, that's all good. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying that the United States government is not a Christian government. Never was. Keith, so if you I don't pledge allegiance and worship Francis Bellamy's Christian socialist <laughs> God, then you're a goddamn insurrectionist, okay? Yeah, and and the conservative groups hate that when you don't participate in that. So I didn't say that, indivisible. I won't go through them all. Um, but I slowly started saying everything except for the only thing I would say is liberty and justice for all. I'm cool with that part. But then I realized that Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with that. Like, that's not what Washington, D.C. is about. I'm pledging allegiance to this thing that is actually the opposite of that. So I stopped saying that, too. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can't go outside here without a hat on. I always wear a hat. I'm locally known as the hat guy. Um, and so my next step is I'm not taking my hat off when other people are saying it. Like, I'm not even going to I don't. I stand off. there silently, respectfully, but I stand there. I clearly don't say anything. I have my hat on. I don't put my hand on my heart or any BS like that. And again, I do this, and people know that I do this. Um, I've spoken about it. I wrote an article I just put in the, in the group chat about the Pledge of Allegiance and why no one who believes in freedom or God or conservatism or independence should ever say it. Um, and again, a few weeks ago, like two weeks ago, I was invited again to speak at a local GOP meeting. I spoke for an hour. We did Q&A. They loved it. I got a, a beautiful letter from the chair um, thanking me for coming. And they know this, and I, I didn't say the pledge when they said it. So people here, at least in New Hampshire, like they are, they know it and they're okay with it. Um, it's not that big a deal to them, I guess, if I don't say the pledge and, and I don't worship their God and their DC empire. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I'm going to stop the share. I'm going to move on. Does anybody want to say anything else before we uh, move on here? So so the conclusion is, of course, states can leave the union. <laughs> and And as Marcus pointed out, the Treaty of Paris was an agreement between the state of England and 13 states. It's not one treaty. It's 13 treaties, really. It's called the Treaty of Paris. They should call it the Treaties of Paris. They never mention it. And I think that when we're talking about if you can secede or what the powers of the states are, I think they don't mention it intentionally. It is bizarre that you can go through as a boy. Oh, Declaration of Independence, uh, Constitution, Bill of Rights. Let's go into depth about these things, you know, all the year through your childhood education. And then you mm -hmm. get to be 40 and you go, oh, yeah, there was a third document that was as important. Did you ever hear about it? No. There's literally no discussion about it. They don't even mention it by name. And when I see key history so intentionally removed, it makes me think it's intentional. Why don't they want people to know about that document? What is it they don't want people to see? And I'm sure they're hiding something because you, no one knows about this document and it's not mentioned in history books. We don't teach our kids about it. And it was pivotal. It wasn't an ancillary piece of the thing. It was the thing that ended the war, and nobody knows about it. I I I smell smoke. I smell smoke. We 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 would have to go to to admit that you have to go back to calling them these United States, right? Or the, <coughs> and United is lowercase. Actually, all I have to do is move my head, right? If I move my head, now I got to get the left, right. This is Declaration of Independence, right? 
uh, United is just an English word. It's not a thing. In all my books, and it's lowercase. Have it lowercase. Good for you. For that reason. And and the reason you can get away with that is you're also the editor, so you don't have an editor that changes it to uppercase. Try writing a lowercase United these United Ooh. States at a convention of states article. Guess what happens? Well, actually, um, <laughs> one of my senior proof um, proofreaders is in my top right corner. Um, my dad and he does sometimes try to correct is it the u or the s in the united states that you try to correct the capital you're, you're muted steven steven you're muted okay. sorry the states should be capitalized it's united that should be uncapitalized okay just um, like what you see behind keith's head okay that i guess that's right a good there. point um keith what say you should yes, i be capitalized well, I th I use capital S for state when I'm referring to a particular state because it becomes a proper name. If I'm just referring to a state, I might use lowercase. Like if I say the states, I'll often write that as but a in lower United S. States. Do you capitalize S? Yes, because you're referring to fifty okay. states that are. The United is a little weird. I don't think we're all that united as these conversations yeah. show, okay, but so I use the United long. States the same way I would capitalize A in Axelman. It's okay. a proper noun. So in that context, state becomes a proper noun. If you just use the word state, it's because state really has two, It's there's two different versions of what that means. So a state like England is, the UK is a state, right? The, the state of England, like it says in the constitution, and those guys were, you know, they didn't have capitalization rules that we use today. And they didn't have editors. Thomas Jefferson wrote state capital. That's what's in the thing. He wrote United lowercase. That's what's in it. And he doesn't always use it the same way in the same document. <laughs> he might capitalize it because they kind of use capitalization for em emphasis. But this is the thing right here above my head. Uh, United is just a lowercase word for 13 states. Might have been 12, right? I think Rhode Island didn't. In the original one but anyway 12 or 13 on july 2nd um or july 4th like we do the july 4th that's the date it was printed so yeah it's, but anyway july it, they used united lowercase they're using the english word united which means a bunch of states doing something together yeah and they I think capitalized that states but i would have wrote that in lowercase there because there's no such thing when this was written the unanimous declaration like they capitalized declaration too. They're saying they're making the word a little stronger. That's how they yeah. wrote then. And they capitalized states because they were highlighting that there's states. There's 13 states. That's why it's an S. It doesn't say the United capital U state singular of America. That's not what it says. It says United lowercase states, which is plural, 13 states of America. America was the continent. Yeah, and it's become a pet peeve of mine when people say America or U.S. or USA or the country. It really pisses me off, and I'm trying to get people to never say that. Say United States, say the Union, say the divided mm -hmm. states. That's even better. Um, just say North America, say the continent. Don't, we don't say one country. We're not. We're, we're 50 independent nations. Um, it should be called country. It should be called the Union. So in all of my articles and books, I only ever write Union or United States, even though it's longer. Um, and I try to get people, and again, if all of us, four people and in our spheres of influence and mm -hmm. our circles, we only ever write and say United States and don't say country in America, we can start changing culture. And as we all agree, culture is, um, uh, politics is downstream from culture. Culture is probably the most important thing. So we need to start changing that mindset of being one yeah. country. 
Culture is upstream from politics, right? That, that culture drives politics. So you got to fix the culture. If you're going to change society, you have to get the culture behind it. That's the problem with Convention of States. It's trying to do it from the other side. So if the culture is what it is, you're doing it from the bottom. And and by the way, like we use, I certainly use it. It's kind of a general unsafe space thing. Like philosophy is upstream from culture. So you got to fix philosophy. So people have to have solid philosophical background, fundamental principles. Then the cultures derive from that. Then politics are all the way at the bottom. So it's hard to even fix the culture if you've got the wrong philosophy. And I believe in self-governance, the right of the people to determine their own form of go of government it is not my thing to say like like marcus has some different cultural values which are based on some different principles like that's not my point at all my point is that here's the principles i can tell marcus has principles like that's easy i've only known him for a couple of weeks he's got some principles we don't agree with some of them it's fine don't bother me at all if we don't have to share a country i don't have any reason to bother he'll probably be fine with free trade right as I said in the show, what I would rather be doing is sitting down as a representative of the Florida, independent Florida, negotiating a free trade agreement with an independent version of California, whatever that turns out to be. And I'm not going to go into California and decide what their gun laws and abortion laws have to be. Immigration laws, like, that's not my, I, I'll never live there. I've never lived there. Like, what's, You're welcome what's my business? to Disneyland. You know, people love Disneyland. I hate to tell you, but we got one here, too, and it's better. <laughs> Ooh, that was a hard burn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hard so, burn. so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to like the second 15 minutes of my plan. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk uh, about this whole uh, idea that Stephen is doing with this independence, Americans United for Peaceful Separation. So, um, Stephen, I'm gonna share that, and would you give us an overview of that? I mean, basically, the principle was really simple we're an umbrella through which people can talk and nobody else was doing that. I'm a psychotherapist slash mediator by trade and I'm trying to bring us together to peacefully divorce. It doesn't seem to be anybody else doing that. And I'm blessed that I, I have a friendship with people in the various movements. We've, you know, we deal a lot with Daniel Miller in Texas and I wish that everybody would get my point. We're meeting together because we disagree. We're divorcing because we don't agree with the way each other wants to live our lives. And it's very frustrating that all the movements won't talk on that basis. Because you hate me is why we should talk. So that, that's what Americans United for Peaceful Separation is trying to do. And we've all read enough articles and seen enough articles from so many different people, even sort of mainstream people that were headed for either civil war or peaceful divorce. So obviously I want to do any little bit I can towards peaceful divorce. Yeah, well go said. ahead. You, go ahead. Well you said. want to, Marcus or Aldo, you want to comment on that? I think it's fantastic. And I think that it is a phenomenal organization that every independence movement, and I'm sure every state has at least a small movement, probably a big movement. Every, they should all be involved in AUPS. So I think it's fantastic. Everybody should join um americans united for peaceful separation aups uh it's a great organization it's read by a very intelligent thoughtful man who's only concerned about making sure that frankly we don't hurt each other 
in the future. He sees what all of us see. Things are getting worse. Things aren't calming down. Nobody's coming together. Liberals are not going, oh, let me reach across the aisle. Conservatives or whatever you want to call it aren't doing the same. So instead of we get to the point where the husband and wife are punching each other in the middle of the streets and calling the cop at 1 a.m., maybe we could have a tough talk, but just talk divorce. And I think that's what uh, the rabbi's been talking about. And I completely support that message. And I think it's one that's only going to become more relevant as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm, I'm new to this. Stephen uh, pointed this out to me a few weeks. I've read some of the what's in here. It's great. It's great content. I'm totally in agreement. And I'm talking from Florida. I'm a Florida person. I'm pretty familiar with the, the Texit, uh, Daniel Miller and the Texit movement. Um, I'm even more familiar with the New Hampshire exit um, movement from going to the Free State Project's Pork Fest and talking to lots of New Hampshire exit people, including you know Stephen and Alu here. So um, let's let's move into that. So I I agree. I think I mean it's obvious all four of us agree with this concept that of peaceful separation. Um, this is a great site. That's that I mean Marcus. This is how I met you. Right was through Stephen through this so that's why that's why this secession roundtable is happening it's because of americans united for peaceful separation as i see it like that's yeah i just want to add i just want to add that one of our purposes is we should be helping each other a with information and b with what's working what's not working give each other ideas we can help each other divorce so and there's so much information so much work that people are doing in the various organizations and if they would share some of that, we'd all be stronger. So, you know, the rising tide thing. Yeah, and I see it from, I, I'm not gonna spend much time on Flexit, um, but that's a that's a very, you know, up and coming kind of movement. It's small compared to, you know, any of the California movements, the, the New Hampshire movement, Texit. And I'm learning from you guys and from Daniel and from the Texic, like, here's how we can do it. But there's plenty of people in Florida that are interested in this and want to do it. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm the admin of a Flexit Facebook group now. There's a lot of people in there. Um, there's another website where, you know, lots and lots of articles. So there are people in Florida, but this movement needs or, or certainly can use help from Texit, CalExit, New Hampshire Exit, and, and some of the other ones. I like watching what the greater Idaho people are doing and and you know just keep track of these various things where people are just moving towards a cell a peaceful arrangement of government that they don't they're not in these bad relationships irre with irreconcilable differences so this is all great for me um i'm not ready quite ready to move to new hampshire but you know if they secede first maybe <laughs> um other than that i'm going to stay here where we can go for a pleasant motorcycle ride after this meeting 75 degrees sunny weather so yeah there's advantages um, anyway um, so let, let's get into some of the state uh, movements and I uh, since we're already Alu and Stephen I want to talk about New Hampshire New Hampshire exit and and the uh, foundation for New Hampshire independence Stephen why don't we start with that one um, I'm gonna give that one to Alu since he's the president <laughs> sure the 
the hamster independence movement is doing fantastic and it seems like every few days or every week or so we're making new strides and making great progress we had legislation originally sponsored by nine legislators including leadership sponsored uh, a year ago or so it didn't pass in the house largely because of the threats of insurrection treason throwing people off the ballot and so on um this year we're going to take a step back and focus more on nullification and the state's rights and and also at the same time as far as legislation but we're also going to work our butts off the foundation and then the other groups of just informing people about the benefits of independence through just the flyer tables at events and all that stuff and public relations um we did a poll recently it found 29 percent of the state but 52 percent of republicans in the state support independence already support secession today totally um, but also a lot of other positive things from that Survey USA poll showing like uh, a big majority, I think 90% believe that the state it runs things better than the federal government. So they trust the state government more than the feds, obviously. That wasn't a big surprise, but it was nice to see. Um, also, we had a few months ago a person, a uh, pro-liberty person on his own, take up the, the initiative to start a PAC, a political action committee, the New Hampshire Independence PAC, so NHIPAC.org, I believe. And they've already raised in their first few weeks a few thousand dollars and distributed those those dollars to pro-independence state reps who have either sponsored or voted for independence in the, in the last session um, or they uh, pledged to support independence if they win the election. So um, that's going fantastically and they're doing well. And we have a few monthly donors already. I encourage everyone to donate at least five bucks a month to them, at least five bucks a month to the foundation. The PAC gives directly to pro-independence legislators and stuff. Um, but it's not tax deductible. The Foundation for New Hampshire Dependence is not quite as direct. We work on education in general, and we'll buy these great flyers, these palm cards we give to people, which is great. But but that is tax deductible as well. It's a nonprofit. So either way is fine. Um, I obviously give monthly to both. But everyone should give monthly a few bucks to both the foundation and the PAC. So we're doing so many incredible things. Um, whenever I speak, I speak about dependence here, and I get overwhelmingly positive results. Uh, feedback from people both at Republican Liberty events, but also on the street when I talk to random people or at other kinds of fairs and stuff, non-political stuff. So um, I think we're going really, really well. And I, I do think that within around five years, could be more, could be less. I think New Hampshire will be dependent. It's only a matter of time. DC is uh, destroying themselves. So DC empire is imploding because of the dollar and all the other issues they have. So for uh, 30 trillion reasons or 31 trillion now, I, I think that the DC empire is, does not have much long, much longer to live. Yeah. The, they, them collapsing the value of the U S dollars is one more reason that, that we need to be independent of the whole federal reserve and the borrowing from our grandchildren system. And like, yes. It's one of the many reasons a lot of us in New Hampshire really do use goldbacks. Uh, we have some New Hampshire goldbacks here. Oh, my God. Gold. Yes. Yeah, well, one of those up. It's Can a thousand amounts of gold in each bill. So it's real gold. They can't print away the value. There you go. Nice. Oh, wow. Let's do Florida next, Keith, the goldback series. Um, and, yeah, I, I've bought and sold a lot of things with goldbacks here. Over 100 businesses take goldbacks officially in New Hampshire and for local bartering. And um, a lot of my book sales come in goldbacks. They're like three, four goldbacks per book. And I bought lots of things. We've paid um, for, for big stuff, small stuff. We paid for our cupcakes for our uh, baby shower a few, a few days ago, a few weeks ago in goldbacks. We pay for plenty of stuff in goldbacks. Like everyone in the Liberty Movement here takes goldbacks and a lot of other stores take them too. So um, like it's one of the reasons we're very well prepared. This and crypto we're, and silver, we're very prepared for um, the uh, leaving the union and the collapse of the dollar. Yes, having a bit of actual real money around 
is, is a good idea for multiple reasons. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. Is is uh, Utah is where the Goldback started? Um, wow, I've done two shows shows on that with uh, on on Goldbacks and and real money. And yeah, so I I there isn't one in Florida right now. Um, I was in New Hampshire for a couple of weeks. We we went to Porkfest, the Free State Project Porkfest, and uh, yeah, I, I don't remember how much I spent actually there, but I spent about two hundred in goldbacks over those two weeks, um, and I have some left, and they're in my. This is my goldback wallet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I have some left, um, and I haven't used them. I've actually tried once or twice in Florida. Uh, I think you, you'd use them as like a tip or something, but you got to explain. So yeah, they're not, it's not known. In New Hampshire, yeah, I used them a few times. You could lay them on the table. Do you take goldbacks and tips? People go, yeah. <laughs> Waitress in a bar, like, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's where I've used them. Um, so I think it's a great idea. And yeah, silver coin, I happen to have a, uh, this is a, a Mexican. It's a one ounce. Unza, what's it, what's it called? A, it's a Plata Pura Onza. One unza. Oh, I the name of it. Yes, I have a. I'll just say I have a few of these around for the zombie apocalypse. Well, I mean, you guys all saw where uh, <laughs> Russia and China are moving together to have a joint currency based upon uh, metals-backed commodities, and then they just had a bunch of other countries join their BRIC alliance. Um, including Brazil and I think a couple other countries. And when you add all those countries and their economies together, it's like 50% of the global economic output. And that just happened in the last two weeks. You're really not going to see that covered in mainstream news, which again, tells you everything. The, the, um, they're moving towards a sound money, like China's hoarding gold. Like, you know, you look, look at what the federal government does. Y'all remember, uh, when Congressman Ron Paul asked Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, is gold money? And Bernanke goes, he's thinking about it because he's afraid. He's probably afraid to see us. He finally says, no. <laughs> like Ron Paul's like, right. what do you do with that? He's running, the, he's running the monetary system of the United States, and he says gold isn't money. So anyway, gold is money. Like we got, you know, 10,000 years of history saying that gold is money. Um, the first coins used in the U.S. were were silver coins, printed in Mexico City. By the way, that's what eventually became what they called the dollar in the 1700s. Yeah, those were minted in Mexico City. That's the first precious metal coins used in North America, and they were widely used in the 1700s. That's what pieces of eight come from, which is because you could take one of those silver coins and cut it into eight, because they they were too big to like buy dinner with or whatever. You know, as but you know now oh, now silver like this is this this will buy a nice dinner in Florida. <laughs> What's that? That's Can you read the top of that? Extinct form of currency. Oh, United actually, States right there, America. it's focused. Silver, silver certificate. Whoa! <laughs> Have you ever? Don't try to turn that in. Yes. Yeah, your camera focused where you're holding it eventually. Another thing that, Marcus, that we did not really learn about in uh, history in high school, I don't think. No. Nope. That this was what it said until uh, the Fed or the closing of the gold window and FDR confiscating gold and stuff. And and I'm an old guy. Like, you know, I when I went to school, gold was still illegal. Right? 
And it was before the 1971 Nixon decision to completely remove us from the gold standard. So um, anyway, so sound money is another reason to leave and form, you know, another state. Marcus, you brought up in one of your shows, the Bank of California, reinstituting a stock exchange in California and the Bank of California. That's an awesome idea. I like that show. I watched Uh, a bunch of your shows. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, There is a uh, bill for a state bank already in California in the California legislature. It got stalled, but basically it would create a a state bank like they have in North Dakota, which if you look at it is basically a national bank. Uh, It's not national in that it's you know, technically a nation. But if you look at national banks, like in France and Germany, the state bank would operate the same way. And we found out in California that we're spending millions upon millions of dollars to pay banks to hold our our money. And they keep the interest on it, which is just dumb. And we could finance our own projects. And when you consider that it's now the world's fourth largest economy, I mean, that would be one of the largest banks in the world instantaneously there's nothing stopping us from doing that legally uh except willpower here in california that that we deserve this and if we did have that one of the things we could do is uh have a california stock exchange so we did have a separate stock exchange from new york um it wasn't as big but it got bought out but those are the kinds of things an independent california could do this is not radical abstract concepts we already have the law set up for a national bank we already had an independent stock exchange we simply need to have the willpower to have those returned or enacted so sound money is is another reason um el vaquero he's a uh, regular listener um talking about the u.s dollar and the federal reserve balance sheet in the in the red uh he's saying we're on a path back to some commodity back currency by were i don't know if he's referring to the united states uh the four of us here are <laughs> i think um and probably el vaquero is too um but i don't see the united states government moving that way so all right so um does anybody want to say anything else about new, the new hampshire movement and i want to just spend a, just a couple minutes on the california movement and then we should close we've been going a little over an hour here love you guys in new hampshire you're doing great work inspired that you have pushed back against all the garbage that this was treason and you showed people that there's multiple legal paths to do this and that you did it the right way through the law and you proved everybody wrong my hat's off to you if i had a hat on if you had a hat and and i already i already have my tickets for pork fest 20 and spring and same campsite so that looks good yeah, well, uh, yeah, Ali, we'll see you, see you Marcus, up there. Marcus, bring... you better be there in person. It is going to be such a party, such an awesome panel. It'll be so good, you'll faint. Um, yeah, you remember that. So, yeah, the panel will be awesome. Everyone should come to Porkfest. If you like liberty or independence, if you're anyone besides the biggest statist, you better be at Porkfest. You better be in New Hampshire. Move here, because this is the capital for freedom in the world, and will be the first state, again, to leave. Thank you. Yeah, and so just fair warning for people that aren't in New Hampshire yet. Now, if you live in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty easy decision. Like you throw a bunch of stuff in a U-Haul um, and you're there. You just move. <laughs> you don't even you can still go to your relatives for for holiday dinner. 
Um, Florida, it's a little harder. And I used to live in New Jersey. Like when I lived in New Jersey, I probably would have already been there. But Florida is not too, too bad to be when the zombie apocalypse hits. So, oh, and I also happen to live with someone who's only seen snow once in her life and she's doesn't really need to see it again. <laughs> so, um, I got so, some right here. So we have an excess. So we can export some because we have a few inches on the ground already. So we can figure out some export thing as far as yeah. No, no. It's it was chilly this morning. It was it was like seventy one this morning. So yeah, we don't need any snow here. So anyway, I'd like to move on and just briefly talk a little bit about the California secession movements. If if Mark Mark has already talked about it some, but I um I have your book up here. So if you want to mention oh, your, thank your you. book, um, thank you. I really pop appreciate that up. Yeah, we, uh, so Calix had started with a book that I wrote called California's Next Century 2.0. That got published in 2012. Uh, the first article in California news ever seriously talking about independence in any capacity was by Tom Elias. That's the book right there, 2012, um, published by Mikazuki Publishing. In 2013, the very next year, uh, Tom Elias, who's a very well-known columnist here, he actually got Governor Gray Davis unseated in the first recall. He was the uh, columnist who started that. He did an article on this book, and that was the first time anybody ever in the media seriously talked about independence. The book was the first time anybody seriously talked about independence. Uh, you, you know, there were people who had teased about the idea. Um, Pat Morrison's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. She wrote a paragraph once in 2002 saying, wouldn't it be cool? But that was about it. Nobody looked into it seriously. Uh, in 2014, I started working with others and I built the first Calix organization. 2015, we built the second one. And now recently, very pleased, Warner Brothers Music, in addition to Awfully Nice Production Company, has done a eight-part documentary series on Calix and how it started. And they finally got our history correct. Um, they cleared up a lot of the... Um, garbage rumors that were spread about us and cleared it up and put out the truth and we're very appreciative because it's a very it's a mainstream source now saying this and as you know the game if you don't have a mainstream source saying you're okay then they can say other things about you so finally got our history correctly uh told and we're very appreciative uh we are looking forward to the future you know when trump got elected in 2016 californians freaked out one third of californians said let's secede immediately 47.5, 47.5 said, I'm willing to discuss the idea. Almost half. That was when Trump was president, but you had the House controlled by the Democrats and the Senate was tied and people were just new to the idea. Now people are familiar with the idea that America's falling apart. It's not coming together. Trump's ideology is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. When Trump was here first, Californians were going, oh, he's an aberration. A foreign government put him in here. Anything but the conclusion that their fellow Americans, at least half of them, back this guy. No, it can't be that. Anything but that. Well, now they're past that. And they're willing to recognize that at least half of America likes Trump's ideology. Didn't go away. Still here. And the rest of the country started to break down and disintegrate. And there has been no unity, no healing, no Biden comeback calming period. So what's happened is Trump's here to stay, hasn't gone anywhere, the division's gotten worse, and there is no plan to unify America. That basically is good news for CalExit. It means things are only progressing one way and everybody in California sees it. Right now, we have the opportunity for the first time ever 
where we have a clear majority of conservative states that could vote us out. Now, I understand there's a debate. I get it. I respectfully understand. But our plan was that if you had 25 states issue a simple resolution, joint resolution to the legislature saying, we don't like you, California, because of your values, and we'd like you to leave. If 25 states simply said that in a simple joint resolution, Californians would be so upset and offended, they would immediately secede. And we know that's true because when Trump was elected, Californians took, what, 24 hours for 15 million of them to jump to the conclusion of let's get the hell out of America? Yeah, it's 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 helped separate it. So those kind of divisions help point out why why we should leave, um, why why we should all separate. I don't know what the divisions are. You know, it's probably I don't think it's half for Trump, but I don't really have statistics. It's probably down to a quarter now, based on the last election. Um, it doesn't include me, by the way. I I. I know you think I'm as conservative, but I didn't vote for Trump either time. I I know. I, I just, <laughs> so yeah. I, okay. I I don't want to. Yeah. I just we have different definitions of yeah. But yeah. no, I didn't. Fair, that's fair another thing. Like as far as conservative, like no, I don't say the pledge of allegiance. I didn't vote for Trump either time. I'm not Christian. I really don't fit well into the standard right leaning Christian conservative Trumpster. Respect. I do. I do have a red baseball hat I use when I'm riding around on my scooter which sometimes I get thumbs up for because people think it's a, but it's not, it's an LPD 17 uh, hat from when I used to work on electronics for the Navy. Um, anyway, uh, I had another thing I link here. I just wanted to mention your show. So you have a channel. National just Divorce. Like, yeah. Check us out on, uh, I have Marcus Ruiz Evans. Evans. Where you can go to Yes California on YouTube. Yes California on YouTube or Marcus Ruiz Evans. Or you can go to calexit.podia. That's P-O-D-I-A, calexit.podia. Podia is a course hosting software, and we have free courses to learn about independence. Okay. Calexit.podia, or Yes, California on YouTube. Yeah, I might have. I saw that. Oh, I do have that link. I just found this today. So that's this one, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, so this will walk you through what we are while we're doing it. Um, we can tell you get it. You never thought you'd be here. America's uh, being divided. Uh, you saw the Capitol was invaded just like the time before 1812. This is for a California audience. So, okay, so this is for a California audience, just, all right. Um, and then if you scroll down, it says, see voices of real Californians in response to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, that was a show we did where we had a lot of people saying, let's secede. Uh, there's the Institute. You can do certification and okay. take courses. There's an example of our petition. Uh, there's okay. a, a book in Spanish. Uh, if you scroll down, there should be some more videos. Okay, um, so we'll we'll put this link in the uh, in the show notes on the website. So, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for covering that. And so yeah, that was it was actually a little hard to find. So there's several movements in California. I don't even have my hand around them all yet. Um, so I know of yours, and the we talked on your show about the uh, um, what was the, the the new California one and, and new California is about splitting the state up. That's, that's, the, that's the one where they're, they want to split and form a new state. Then there's another one that's also seems to be called yes, California. And then there's the state of Jefferson one, which is the only one I heard about before about a month ago or, or a year ago, I guess. 
Jefferson wants to split the state up and join Idaho, um, but they're looking. Oh, only they want to join Idaho. Idaho? That's like that's the Oregon or the Washington movement, the Greater Idaho. They're part of yeah, the Greater so, Idaho. So Jefferson is in the top northern fifth of California, and the New California is basically the entire interior without the coast. They're both saying oh, okay. the same thing. Uh, we're the but, real California. Yeah. But they're different areas. I didn't know. They're looking so, at largely yeah, different geographies. Yeah. Jefferson is the top northern part, mm -hmm. and uh, New California is basically the entire interior without the coast. And you're uh, are you opposed to them, or we don't have to get into this? Oh yeah, Calixit people don't support splitting California up splitting at all. Splitting at all. Then that's what. And, so the movement that you're, your movement, the the one that you're with, is the whole state of California leaves as one entity yeah. and forms an independent nation. Yeah. And there's with, there's really only quote, two organizations. Okay. There's there's Yes California Calixit with me. And then there's another group called the California National Party. So if you hear about anybody else in the California National Party, or okay. yes, California with me, they're not CalExit. And I would also point out that the people of California have said on two different occasions that they don't want to split the state up. So I try to get New California or Jefferson to acknowledge these facts. They'll never debate me. I remember I sent an uh, invitation to Zapata, who was the leader, and then Mark Baird, and then uh, the other guy who was running for running New California. I got him on the phone. I said, you want to debate? He goes, no. So none of these people debate me. And the thing they, they, they want to debate. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they, might talk, they might talk to me. Yeah. Well, if they do I'll ask see. them this question, ask them this question. Yeah. I California. might see if I can get a show with them. Maybe, oh yeah. Know. California um, did two different surveys <laughs> because we had same. a guy called Tim Draper, who was a billionaire that tried to split our state up into three States and then six States. So I we did the three long ago. There was a three state movement. Yep. Yep. I remember that one yep. years ago, decades yep. ago, maybe. Yep. And then he did. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, what they did surveys of Californians both time mm -hmm. he proposed that. 65% and 72% dead set against splitting California. It's uh, against, but it's clear there are groups within California. There's multiple groups sure. that want to change things. I'll just put it that way. They want to change sure. the arrangement of government. So you got yours, the Jefferson. Sure. I'm not. I just know about it. I didn't even, I knew it was related to the Northern part, but I don't know exactly about that. I've never been in Northern California. Um, the part of California I've actually, doesn't really matter, but I have spent some time in the San Diego area for work. I did uh, electronics design and for Navy ships. So I've spent a lot of time in San Diego um, for work and a little bit in Oakland for Coast Guard at the Coast Guard base there. Thank you for serving. Um, so oh, I was never in the military. I'm a, uh, I was in the military industrial complex. I'm an electrical engineer and systems engineer. So, Thank yeah, you. I, I um, so yeah, I was never in the service, but I've spent a week on an Aegis missile destroyer at sea, helping fix problems before they left for the South China Sea. Like, yeah, so I haven't, I had, I slept in the third bunk for a week at sea. Like, yeah, I, I got a taste right. of it, but I was never actually in the service. I've always been a design guy system architect and design guy for communications is what I worked on. So anyway, I'm pretty familiar with that, that, that part of California and people there. And there's a lot of people there, at least when I was going there, I'm retired now that that's why I remember hearing about the three state version and they all wanted to leave and form their own state. Like those people there, a well, lot it of depends them did, on who you talk to. but they didn't, well, I've talked to people who work, for the government <laughs> uh, yeah I'll, and I'll are in the military and yeah, are in the military 
I'll just say that when you hear about, if you ask somebody in the military in general, do you support California seceding? They're like, no. If you pull them apart and they're Latino and you look them in the eye and you go, hey, bro, remember how uh, everything was stolen from us and then we got shit on? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Is that cool? No. No, it's not cool. I remember my grandma saying that. I just didn't think we could do anything about it. Actually, bro, we can do something about it. What? I can't tell you the number of Marines and soldiers who have served in combat for America who have told me that they support CalExit because they served in the American military, because they sought that what they were used for, and they don't want to be part of it. Now, are they going to go out and scream that? No. You talk to them privately. So I'm telling you right now, a lot of those people in San Diego, if they look yeah, like they, me, they think like me. They're just not going to tell you. Yeah. I. So my point was just there are multiple groups within California, uh, some of which are pretty far right leaning conservative types. Sure. Some are a lot or you're like, I know what you mean now. I understand what you mean when you say California values. That's a that's a group of California and it's probably the majority. I'm not sure, but maybe it's the majority. It's, it's certainly the majority I mean, in the big cities. We just saw the surveys. You know, yeah. yeah, there's these conservatives or whatever you want to call it that want to split up California. Mm-hmm. You guys never got more than a third of the vote or a quarter of the vote. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Trump. They're like, oh, there's so many Trump voters in California. Yeah, about a third or 25%. It means nothing here. You're not in power. You'll never have enough power to do anything. So you can For talk the whole, you yeah. votes with the whole state. That's it. Yeah, if the state stays together. And it's not clear to me that yeah. California will stay together. That is not clear. There's no evidence that it will break up, given all opinion polls over <laughs> so, the last decade. And okay. the that's, people who do propose splitting up California never address those polls, which I think is telling. If you're so sure you're right, how come you can't bring up the two surveys that say you're wrong? Yeah, that's a good question to ask somebody like that. So maybe we should have you on there with them. But I, uh, yeah, I want to I want to get my hands me. around it. I've, I've contacted New California. Yeah. I have contacted Jefferson. Okay. They will never debate me. Why okay, well, I'm, okay. I so thought, I wanna, oh, we liberals were the ones scared of debating, and you conservatives were get in there. So, so How what come I'm, So I'm not in that camp. So yeah, I'm just saying that I am aware of people in California that were from the industry that I was in, which is a small subset, but it is significant. San Diego has a huge military and military contractor population. I do, I do, you know, keep in mind that when Ron Paul ran for president, he got more donations from active duty military than every other candidate combined. So that's, there's what military people think about these ongoing wars. (laughs) Like, yeah, they know what they've been used for. They're there. So Ron Paul ran twice. The first time he got more donations than any Republican candidate. The second time he got more donations than all the other candidates, Democrat and Republican and Libertarian and Green and whatever else. So anyway, yeah, that is what active duty military people, and I know a lot of them. I worked for 35 years with a lot Uh, of them. And almost all of them would not secede. They want to be in a state that's, more they're they're they tend to be flag waving yeah that so anyway my, i just wanted opinion, to bring that yeah, up fair enough, there's, fair there's a I, lot of people in california uh, there are, so, but and they're not all minorities and yeah. i would also say what are the latino soldiers and the african-american yeah. soldiers and the asian soldiers and yeah. the liberal white soldiers from berkeley saying rah rah yeah. rah i know yeah. that's not true yeah. uh, the central valley has the highest rate of veterans and also people who died 
in active combat. We are crawling with vets, and I talk to them. A lot and of those. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of people who are disillusioned with America. If you went to Afghanistan that. and you went to Iraq and you're from California, there's a better chance you're disillusioned with the United States than you're all about it. Like now, whether you're going to say that publicly is another thing. So, like, example, my dad's a Vietnam vet. He didn't go, but he was in during the time. They will talk about how they love the military service and they're proud to be an American. Hey, great. Should I join the military? No, they'll use you. America's an evil country that uses the military for nothing and doesn't care about life. And it's just a bit on empire and destruction. You just said you were proud to be an American. I am. And I am proud to be in the military service, but don't trust them and never join and never trust the federal government. I mean, we have non-vets crawling. So when you talk about military people, that's what we see in California. Just just I live here. Been to San Diego, been to the Bay Area, been to Sacramento, been to the Central Valley, uh, family members in all five branches. Yeah, so that's that's the group. Um, so we have a bunch of chats. I haven't kept up with the chats, but um, yeah, there's some people talking about the various versions of California and and the secession. And so yeah, I'll go back through the chat later. So Tell yeah, we've been going an hour and a half. Yeah, we've been going on an almost an hour and a half. I'm sorry. So I want to shut. I want to shut this down. I'll, I'll shut We're going to do. I want to debate. So if anybody <laughs> wants to debate New California, okay, California, I'm you. here. I'm waiting. You guys yeah. always back out. I'm so happy you guys came. Um, This is awesome. I learned a lot and I can tell from chat that a lot of the unsafe space viewers are happy to hear all this and they're all learning. All the links will be, all the links we discussed will be on the unsafespace.com website in the show notes for this show. It takes about a day for that to get up, but that's what I'm going to do right after this. And I, I submit it and it's part of the flow of unsafe space that gets published. Um, if you like what you heard here, please, please share. Go to the Unsafe Space website. You can check out my playlist of civics topics. Uh, this, All this is to me is like I want to do more secession roundtables. So I'm going to plan this once every month or two as a rebel civics topic. It's totally within the civics nature of my show. So thanks, everybody, for coming. Do, do you guys, Alu, you want to say a link? Or the Liberty, tell us about the Liberty Block link. And yeah, thanks so much. Check out libertyblock.com. Check out the podcast, the Liberty Block, on any podcast catcher and Odyssey. Kicked off YouTube, but Rumble, Facebook. Uh, Check out americansups.com for the AUPS, like my dad said. Check out nhindependence.org. Check out nhipac.org. And we actually have like six other New Hampshire secession websites that, you know, uh, regular normal people have put up on their own. It's all decentralized. So a lot lot of, uh, and they take size here, but thank you so much for having me. It was a fantastic time. I appreciate you all very, very much. Okay. And Marcus, you want to just sign off and say, uh, please email me. Uh, we are liberals. We are Californians. We love to talk to conservatives or people who don't share California values. We don't bite. I think I showed I was respectful. Um, Marcus with a U.S. M-A-R-C-U-S period Ruiz period Evans. So you see my name right there. So Marcus period Ruiz period evans at gmail.com please email me i would love to talk to you and have you on my show unedited and i don't do tricks you get to say whatever you want it goes right out to our viewers i just ask for the opportunity to share my information with you and and it's great i appreciate it because um yeah we we, we need to all be talking about this and steven you want to say something i could shamelessly plug my weekly podcast do it man do it which is called the conservatarian exchange on the liberty block we're up on soundcloud but the point of our show which has five very very bright people if you can put me into that category (laughs) four very bright people and myself but you can actually call in 
and or Zoom in and join us and argue with us. It's not a secession show. It's more arguing between libertarian and conservative issues, but it is a place for people to call in and discuss. So shameless plug. Thank you so much for having us, Keith. Yeah, thanks for joining. And I'm glad to find out about the, the peaceful separation movement that, that you founded. Um, and I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to that. So thanks, everybody, for watching Rebel Civics. Again, go to unsafespace.com website for all these links. It's too much to put in YouTube. Um, plus, you always have to risk that we might get shadow banned if I put Elliot's website in there. So, all right. Um, and we'll do another one of these, definitely. So, all right. Thanks for joining. Bye, y'all. This production was made possible through the generous support of our members. To join our community, visit unsafespace.com. Unsafe Space is an online publication for individualists interested in subverting authoritarianism and ushering in the next enlightenment. For biting analysis and nourishing composition, or to sign up for our weekly news brief, The Abstract, visit unsafespace.com. Thanks for joining us today. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized for distribution on Apple devices. The following co-conspirators are hereby uninvited to Klaus Schwab's Winter Solstice Party. Please be advised that CBS News has paused activity on unsafe space while it continues to assess security. Central Bank Digital Currency is a safe and secure way to protect you from Sam Bankman-Fried. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is misinformation. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.